Thanks for joining us today. Our church exists to give everyone, everywhere, every reason to know Jesus. You can learn more by connecting with us on Facebook at Journey Fellowship Den. Pastor Heather, let's welcome Thanks her. Thanks again for joining comes. us and enjoy today's message. Thank you. I gotta be honest, now I'm like really upset that we didn't set up a wrestling ring up here. Could have been a lot of fun. I'd like to see him jump off of those ropes. Maybe not with the unitard on. That would maybe take it just a little bit too far. But definitely is a great idea for next year. Everybody have a good holiday? Yes. Kids out there, do you have a good Christmas? Oh, kids, you can do better than that. Let's try again. Kids, did you have a good Christmas? Yeah. Woo! How many of you guys are staying up till midnight tonight? Me. All parents go, no. The holidays are special, though, right? How many of you guys spent time with family and friends? How many of you time spent time relaxing? How many of you guys ate a lot of food? Because what is the point of making a New Year's resolution to eat right and exercise If you don't, for the last week of the year, give yourself cheat meal every single day, because it's not worth it to exercise and eat right in the new year unless you fill yourself to the brim in 2023. That was Eric and I all week. We have been carb loading like we're going to run a marathon, guys. We're starting the carnivore diet tomorrow, so it's like if we just eat a lot of carbs now, it's going to make it worth it, right? Or maybe for some of you, when you have a chance to be home for a couple days, with not a whole lot to do, you start to notice the unfinished projects around your house. You know the ones I'm talking about. You started them, but you just never really finished them. I have a few of those. This summer, I started cleaning the the grout around the tile in my kitchen. It'll hurt your back. So I stopped for six months. I know, Took took a little break. And I kind of thought about starting it back up again, but the weirdest thing, my back just started hurting just looking at it. I'm like, eh, it's going to wait a little bit longer. And don't get me started on the garage full of projects that Eric calls junk, but I call them potential. But seeing those unfinished projects, it bothers me. I take it personally as if it speaks to my character somehow and it means that I'm lazy. It feels like wasted potential. And wasted potential makes us feel overwhelmed and guilty. So what do we do not to feel that way? Well, after letting an unfinished project sit in the garage for far too long, how many of you eventually abandon all hope? And then you take it to Goodwill. And you hope that somebody else will pick up the project and finish what you couldn't just because you didn't have the time, the energy, or the resources to do it. But hey, out of sight, out of mind, it's not your problem anymore. Or the other option is in order to finish them quickly, we cut corners and we ignore the detailed work so that once we check it off our to-do list, we feel complete and happy. Just don't look too close, right? As I was reading in Philippians this week, God reminded me that I'm an unfinished project too. God, we just come to you this morning, Lord, and we just thank you so much that we get to end this year in your house. God, I pray today, Lord, that you would let my words be your words, God. Speak through me, Lord. I pray that you prepare every heart for what it is that you want to say to them today, God, as we give a final encouraging word, God, to end this year and to bring in a new one. Lord, I pray you speak to us, that we are encouraged, Lord, and that we are revived in our spirits. We love you and we thank you. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. So my final encouraging word for you today is found in Philippians 1.6. 
And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Christ hasn't come back yet, so you're unfinished. Most of us would agree that it's bothersome to be an unfinished project. How many times do you sometimes feel like wasted potential? Like you could be doing more. That's the culture we live in. We should always be doing more. So we feel like wasted potential. We know the life that God wants for us, but we're human, so we miss it sometimes. And if we're being really honest, we miss it a lot. Usually because we're trying to do it on our own, in our own strength. And when we do that, there are two things that typically happen. The first one is that we bail because we don't have the energy or the resources to sustain ourselves spiritually. It looks like this. You're trying to be Christ-like, but you never read your Bible. You never pray. You might show up to church. You come in, you sit down, you don't talk to anybody, and you leave. And after that, you never take time to get to know him personally. You're trying to build a spiritual life without the spiritual part. And then you get frustrated when you don't understand why it's not working. You can't do it without him. We aren't made to be the workman. He is. We are the work. So our confidence isn't in ourselves, but in the worker, in his character, and in his resources. Guys, there is no other worker like him. Other workers stop working at the end of the day when darkness settles in. Other workers stop working if the check bounces and they don't get paid. But not God. Not God. He isn't going to bail on you when your life gets messy. When darkness seems to surround you. When you can't find hope. And there's no light left. He won't stop working. His work in you isn't bound by time or circumstances. Nor is it bound by resources. He won't bail on you because your check bounced. You get what I'm saying? Those promises that you made God that you didn't fulfill. Or every time that you let him down, he won't bail on you. Because it's not about what you bring to the table. It's if you show up to the table. You can show up with nothing. You can be empty. And God isn't going to bail on you. It's about continually offering yourself on the mercy seat of Jesus. As I was thinking about that this week, I was just thinking about how God really makes it so easy. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to bring anything. We just have to continually say, God, I know that I am a project that needs a lot of work. I know I mess up. I know you make progress in me and I mess it up. But God, would you just keep working on me? And he will do it. You are not a lost cause. Unlike us, God isn't going to throw you in the trunk and take you to goodwill. As long as he has a project to work on, he will work. And you can rest assured that the work will not be forsaken by the workmen. Ever. Romans 8, 38 through 39 tells us that. For I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angel nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation 
will be able to separate us from the love that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's pretty perfect that they sing that song today, Reckless Love, because it just reminds me that there is nothing that can stop God from doing work in your life unless you stop it. Unless you stop it. The second thing that happens when we try to do it on our own is we cut corners spiritually by making everything look good on the outside. We put that mask on and we portray what we think people want to see from a Christian. Don't you dare show anybody that you're empty. Don't show them that you're hurting. Don't even think about showing them that you're struggling spiritually. They don't want to see that. So you show up looking like a mansion on the outside. And people notice, like, ooh, did you paint the brick? It looks good. Did you do some new landscaping? I like that. But they have no idea what's going on on the inside. No one's going to see that the foundation is cracked. You've got pipes leaking, and there's a black mold in the walls. Some projects might look finished on the outside, but because you used the wrong builder, you still got issues. You can seal and paint over cracks that show up. You can cover up the holes with a perfectly placed picture so no one will see. But what you can't do is restore what is broken in your life. And you can't give yourself redemption. You aren't equipped to fix your foundation. You have to hire out for that. You need a professional to come in and find the source of the problem. Try as you might. There are things in your life you cannot fix on your own. You are not the master builder of your life. God is. And hear this this morning. God is not interested in cutting corners to get the project finished quickly. He will leave you unfinished for as long as it takes. Because the longer it takes him to build, the better the quality. My grandpa, he was a tinkerer. Anybody else have a tinkering grandpa? They just stayed in the garage all the time. Probably because he wanted to be away from my grandma. (laughs) He never even, like, really retired. We always said that the day that he retired would be the day he died. He died two days after he retired. And now that I hear that, I should probably repent because I'm like, Lord, if we spoke that over him, I'm really sorry. But he always had a project, always something going on in the garage. And when I read that verse in Philippians 1.6, I like to picture God like my grandpa, tinkering in his garage. Although God wouldn't have a cigarette in his mouth. My grandpa could get like four in there at one time with his welding torch. But I can see God having a workbench over in the corner the favorite stool he likes to sit on, all his tools laid out before him for that fine-tuning he does. And he looks at this project, leans back, examines it from all the angles, and goes, wow, that looks really good. But you know what? I think I can make it better. If I just pull this piece off right here, maybe just rearrange it a little bit, sand it down, make it real smooth. He wants to make it better. Because God cares about the fine details of your life. So he's not going to spare you heartache and hardship. Because if he did, you'd never get stronger. And then you wouldn't be made of the best quality. God wants some of you to hear this today. He spoke these words so clearly to me. I could spare you from having to walk this road to healing. But I won't. Because I want to make you better. You think you have faith now, 
Just wait and see. I could spare you loss and grief. I could. But I want to make you better. I want you to see how resilient you are. I could spare you from walking the road to sin. I could block every temptation from the enemy. But if I don't, I will make you better. I'll teach you resistance. Because resistance will make you strong. And it will give you the ability to endure. And that's the whole goal of his work. is for you to endure until that day that you are face to face with him. That day that we talked about in Philippians. And he'll look at you. He'll look at you. And he'll say, perfection. 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 You did it. You kept the faith. You finished the race. You did it. You're an unfinished project. But you won't always be. A.W. Tozer said it like this. Whenever God begins something, we have the assurance that he will finish it. Nothing will stand in the way of him accomplishing his purpose in this world and in our lives. What God starts, he finishes, and nobody can hinder him. Sure, delays will happen. Just remember, God is in charge of the delays as well as the progress. So you being an unfinished project isn't a symbol of imperfection, but a symbol of progress. And you are one of God's favorite projects to work on. Continue to let him work in your life. His purpose is to be the workman. Yours is to be obedient. Thank you. That was good. We used to have a little saying growing up. Don't start nothing you can't finish. A lot of us would attribute that to fighting, but... But... uh, but we could also apply it to projects. That's why I don't start projects. I will tell you no like a thousand times if you ask me to do something. But that's because I know that I can't. I'm not a completer. I'm not a finisher. But, but when I start something, I'm committed to it. So I'm going to do it. But I'm going to need help finishing it. So um, it's good to know we have God on our side to finish us. Amen. Praise is what I want to talk to you about today. Praise. And I'm going to need a little help because... We got to lift up some praise in this place. I like uh, I like that song "Gratitude." I like I like how it says "Hallelujah, Hallelujah." If you know the definition of "Hallelujah," you'll know why that's such a great word. Because "Hallelujah" literally translates to "Praise Yah," and Yah is short for Yahweh. Praise God. So when you say "Hallelujah," you're literally saying "Praise God." Praise him. And it's an important topic. It's important for us to talk about because God gives us weapons and he gives us uh, weapons that we need to engage in battle with the enemy. And one of those weapons is praise. And I want to talk about it because there are a few people here this morning that think they don't need to praise God. Not you, but the person sitting next to you in your row. That's who I'm talking about. And I thought I could get away, get, get away from uh, doing this topic this morning. And I told, I told God as I was praying, I said, God, I only got like 10 minutes to talk about what it means to praise you anyway. And so, Pastor Scott, um, church, if you give me like three hours, I think we can get it all in, okay? 
All right, so we'll start with Psalm 34. It says this, verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. At all times. His praise will always be on my lips. Do y'all know that your praise can literally change the response of the people on your row? Like when you lift up a praise, the people standing next to you begin to feel something different. All of a sudden they're like, you know what? I kind of feel like praising a little bit because the person next to me is praising. You know, like all of a sudden they're thinking, I don't feel like giving up anymore. Like I could praise the God who is the God of all things. I could praise the God who does the impossible. I can praise the God who heals. I can praise the God who gives, who delivers. I can praise him. Yet some people are under the impression that praise is optional as a Christian. It's not. Matter of fact, can I step on some toes a little bit? Y'all know that I'm a Cowboys fan. Y'all know. Always have been. Always will be. And I know that y'all, y'all Cowboys fans out there, I know y'all were like me last night on the edge of your seat in the last 24 seconds. <laughs> When the Lions were down in the red zone and they throw a pass out to one of their players who's an ineligible receiver. And the game looked like it was over, y'all. I walked out of the room. I was mad. I was mad. I couldn't believe it happened again. And then all of a sudden I heard that there was a flag on the play. Let's go. So I get back in there, edge of my seat, woo, and then we got the interception. Oh, but then it got called back because Parsons was off sides. Roller coaster of emotions. What's going to happen? Are they going to kick it this time? Are we going to go over overtime? What are they going to do? But here's the deal, y'all. If your praise for the Dallas Cowboys is your louder than your praise for God Almighty, you got the wrong kind of praise. I think we ought to be the kind of church that lifts up a praise louder than what is going on at AT&T Stadium. I think we ought to be the kind of church that doesn't wait for the worship band to start. We just lift up a praise anyway. I think you ought to be the kind of church that you're praising God in the parking lot instead of arguing or fighting over which spot you're going to get. <laughs> I think you ought to be... I think you ought to be the kind of church... That doesn't leave when the altar call happens. Listen, there's going to be a line anyway at the restaurant. You only got anywhere to go. Let's praise him anyway. Praise him at all times. All right, I better, I better keep going. Hold on. Verse, verse 2. I will boast in the Lord. The humble will hear and be glad. Proclaim. That's another word for praise. Y'all didn't know. The Lord's greatness with me. Let us exalt, let us praise his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and rescued me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant with joy. Their faces will never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him from all his troubles. And the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see 
taste and see. I thought that was kind of weird when I read this part of the scripture. I was like, is David hungry or something? Like, he needs to get like his food eaten on. Like, what's going on? Taste and see. What does that have to do with praising God? And as I was praying about it, I realized you can't eat with your mouth closed. So when you praise God, I want to go ahead and give you permission to open your mouth. (laughs) You might be praising him loud, but you're letting some blessings in. Turn to somebody and say, "Are are you hungry? Are you hungry? I want to talk to you about praise today. And I had like seven or eight points, but again, realizing I only had like three hours, I had to dwindle it down to three points, okay? So... So I asked the, the media team to go ahead and put the three points on the screen so you'll have them and you can write them down as I preach them this morning. The first thing that praise does, praise develops your character. God has been conditioning the unconditional worshiper in you. I didn't know this, but that's what God had been doing with me this year. Now, we're not ready to tell you this whole story, but what I can tell you and share with you this morning is that Kaylee and I have been through some trials this year and some losses this year. We've been through some times this year. Well, I'm being honest with you, church. I was at a point where I didn't know if I could trust God anymore. My faith was wavering. I didn't know if I wanted to praise God. In fact, one of these times happened not too long ago, just really a few, about a little over a month ago. And Kaylee and I had had a doctor visit and we, we had come home with some bad news. And I dropped Kaylee off at the house because I needed to come back to work. And I sat in the parking lot right out here. And I said, you know what? I don't feel like going into God's house right now. I don't feel like walking in there. And so, you know what? I, I did what any sensible man, 40-year-old guy would do at that time. I, I went to Walmart and I browsed the aisles for like five minutes. <laughs> and as I was browsing the aisles, I thought to myself, you know what? This is stupid. I should be praising God anyway. Despite what's going on in my life, I should be giving him praise anyways. And so I came back to the church and I spent some time in prayer and I opened up my phone and, and uh, I started playing YouTube and uh, I was just playing a a, a worship playlist on YouTube. And, uh, and I was just, again, not feeling it. I was here, but there was disappointment in my heart. There was sorrow in my heart. There was a lack of joy, a lack of peace. And I thought, God, what am I going to do? And then as if on cue, an ad popped up on YouTube. Stop the music. I thought, stupid YouTube. You know. <laughs> but at that moment, I was like, well, I guess that's it. I'm, I guess I'm done praising God. I, I, I didn't really praise him much. I just kind of sat here and listened to worship music. And I I walked towards the back of the auditorium. And as I got back to the back of the auditorium, it dawned on me again, you know what? This is not the right response. I need to praise him anyways, because that's what it says to do. And so I need to praise him in spite of my disappointment. I need to praise him in spite of, of the fear that I'm facing. I need to praise him in spite of the despair that I'm facing. I need to praise him anyway. Don't let your disappointment determine the narrative. Praise God at all times. Praise him on the mountains. 
and praise him on the valleys. Because here's what happens when you choose to praise God. He's going to develop within you your character to the point where he's going to condition you to praise him anyways. The more you praise, the more you'll praise. The pain will still be there. But instead of letting disappointment control you, begin to let joy inside of you. When you open your mouth and you praise out, you begin to let hope in. When you open your mouth and let praise out, you let peace in. Praise him even when you don't feel like it. Praise him. I can tell you from experience, there ain't nothing like a I don't feel like him kind of praise. Right? I mean, there ain't nothing like a they got one more time or I'm going to throat punch him kind of praise. <laughs> there ain't nothing like a actually kind of tired today kind of praise praise him anyway praise him anyways our first response should be to praise god praise him anyways the second thing that praise does is it destroys and confuses the enemy i want to take you to second chronicles chapter 20 where it talks about king jehoshaphat and situation that he was facing it says in verse 21 Then he consulted with the people and appointed some to sing for the Lord and some to praise the splendor of his holiness. Some of y'all thinking, praise God that Pastor Scott doesn't ask me to sing. When they went out in front of the armed forces, they kept singing. Give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love endures forever. And this is what I like what it says. The moment they began their shouts and praise... The Lord set an ambush against the Amorites, Moabites, and the inhabitants of Mount Seir who came to fight against Judah, and they were defeated. There's power in your praise. King Jehoshaphat and and the people of Judah were facing a formidable army, an alliance that threatened to overpower them. They were trying to take them out, and rather than relying on their own strength and their own strategies, Joe and his people chose to praise God. When faced with overwhelming odds, their response was not to wallow in fear or despair, but to praise. Praise him anyway. Imagine the scene as they lifted up their voices in songs of praise, thanking and exalting the almighty God. Something miraculous happened. God intervened and he set ambushes against their enemies, caused confusion among the ranks, and they were defeated. What was meant to be a united force against Judah turned into chaos and self-destruction. All because they were giving God praise. <laughs> praise destroys and confuses the enemy. This, this is how the enemy be like. How are their bills due, but they're still praising God? He just gets confused. How is their marriage on the rocks, and they're still praising Yahweh? That just confuses them. How do... It's, it's easy to praise God and, and, and to worship him when things are going well. But let me tell you, when things aren't going well, it's even better because it confuses and it destroys what the enemy is trying to do. All of us, I don't care who you are, all people face adversity. All of us face adversity. But what separates us from them is how we choose to react to it. And when we praise God in the midst of adversity, we align our hearts with God's promise. When we praise God in the midst of adversity, we show that we trust in Him and in His ways. Not in our ways, but what He is going to do. When we praise God in the midst of our struggles, we trust and show that Him, show Him that we will follow Him and what He has planned for us. So instead of magnifying the size of our challenges, try this. 
magnify the greatness of God. Instead of focusing on your problems, try this. Focus on the problem solver. Instead of being anxious about everything, try this. Let's praise God. Praise the peace giver and the hope dealer. Instead of, instead of worrying about what the enemy is trying to do and being scared about it, let's ring out a praise to the Almighty God so that He can take care of our every need. Choose praise over panic. Choose worship over worry. Trust in the Lord's faithfulness. He is our deliverer. He is our source of victory in every need. Praise destroys the enemy. Third thing that praise does is praise determines your breakthrough familiar story in Acts chapter 16. It says the crowd joined in the attack against them and the chief magistrate stripped off their clothes and ordered them to be beaten with rods. And after they had severely flogged them, they threw them in jail, ordering the jailer to guard them carefully. Receiving such an order, he put them into the inner prison and secured their feet in the stocks. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly, everybody say suddenly. suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains came loose. The story of Paul and Silas facing this amazingly trying situation, they were trapped or they, they were stripped, they were, they were beaten, they were imprisoned unjustly. And despite the intense pain and, and the confinement that they were facing, what was their response? Praise. Praise. See, here's the thing. Some of you will never get your breakthrough because you haven't learned to praise like Paul and Silas praised. I mean, some of you are still letting your attitudes control your praise. Some of you are still letting your anger diminish your praise. Some of you are still letting the hurt that people have done to you cause you not to praise. You've got frustrations that are diminishing your praise. You've got things that have defined you, things that have shaped you, that are causing you not to praise. It's not until you decide to let those things go and you lift up your hands in praise anyway that you're going to get your breakthrough. Come on, somebody. Paul was locked up in prison, y'all. Like, anybody ever been locked up, chained, bound? Like, anybody ever felt like you ain't going to get through what you've been through? Like, here they are at midnight when darkness loomed and all hope seemed distant, and they chose to praise him anyways. Their response was praise. Praise is not contingent upon favorable circumstances. It's a choice. And it's a decision to exalt the Almighty God regardless of our situation. And when we praise Him anyway, we invite Him into our lives. And it's in that atmosphere of praise that miracles unfold, chains are broken, enemies are defeated, and breakthroughs happen. Is it hard to come to church when I'm tired and praise God? Yeah. But I'm going to do it anyways. I'm going to praise Him anyway. Is it hard to lift my hands and worship sometimes when, when I'm feeling, uh, when I'm filled with anger and unforgiveness? Yeah. But I'm going to praise God anyways. Is it hard to come to the altar and bawl my eyes out when everybody is watching me? Yeah. But I'm going to praise God anyway. I don't care who's around me. I don't care who's watching. I hope that they begin to praise God too. I'm going to do it because when I let go of all that is holding me back, when I let go of the things that are binding me, I can lift up my hands and I can praise Him anyways.
And it may not always be, God, God may not always respond in the way that we expect him to, but he is faithful. He is faithful to bring the breakthrough to those who are willing to praise him anyway. Church, this is my word for you today. Your breakthrough is on the other side of your praise. Your victory is on the other side of your praise. Who you are and who you will be in 2024 is on the other side of your praise. So praise him anyway. Let's learn to make praise our natural response to everything. Pastor Scott. Let's just do that right now. Let's just do it right now. Would you just praise the Lord for all that he's done? Come on, in your own way, just praise him. Thank you, Father. Lord, for everything that you've done for us, Lord God, all that you're going to do, we give you praise, Lord, ahead of, Lord, even the prayers that, Lord, that have not been answered yet. We thank you, Lord, for we know that, Lord, that what we say, Lord, you're our, our, we are yes and amen when it comes to, Lord, our prayers. Lord, your promises are certain. We glorify you and we thank you, Lord. We honor you. Lord God, may there be nothing in this world that thrills our hearts, Lord God, more than lifting up your name. And counting, Lord, you, Lord God, as our king, as our authority. We honor you today. We praise you. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, aren't you glad our staff doesn't have 16 people on it, right? You would get that three hours, Chris. 1999. New Year's Eve. How many of you had 50 cans of beans, sacks of potatoes? You had batteries stored for days. Y2K. Les told me a story that in 1999, when he was at a church in West Texas, that they did a watch night service. And that night, that as the clock struck 12, somebody thought it would be funny in the church to hit the breakers and turn all the power off. I told you, Pastor, it would happen. It was great when the pastor said, let's pray that the power comes back on. And at that moment, somebody poof, hit the switch. Praise God. It's amazing. The sun came up. New Year's Day of 2000. Can I tell you something? Tomorrow, the sun's going to come up. I can't believe we're 23 years past that Y2K. I can't believe we're four years past COVID. We've marked our lives by that sickness. We're 30 years past the Cowboys' last home or road win in the playoffs. Do I need to keep going on those statistics? Listen, God engages us. God engages our world in sets of unchangeable laws and principles. Tomorrow the sun will rise. 
and the earth will be beneath your feet. God engages the world through a series and a set of unchangeable law. And I thought how I would mix this in, knowing that Heather's talking about God's not finished with you yet, and Chris is going to talk about praise. I want to just take just a few moments to talk about God's unstoppable, unstoppable force. There are four natural forces. Four fundamental natural forces. In case you didn't know. You're probably not physics majors, and that's okay, because I'm not either. You have magnetism or electromagnetism. That's a force on our planet. It's what, it's what magnets that force between. You can't see it, but it happens. How many of you have ever played with magnets? You know how that force works. Another force that the physicists would say is called a weak nuclear force. This is the force that co- that's happening on our sun right now. It's fusion. Fusion energy. It's a weak nuclear constant that keeps our sun burning. There's another force. It's, the, it's a, a strong nuclear power or nuclear energy. Strong nuclear energy is 6,000 trillion, trillion, trillion times greater than the force of gravity. That's six with 39 zeros. Stronger, multiplied by. And then, of course, you have... The force of gravity. Now I want you to think about this. Those four forces, those natural fundamental forces are how we organize our life. You're very thankful that gravity is operating today. And it didn't change from from yesterday. If gravity did not work today, our atmosphere would be sucked out into space. Right now. If gravity didn't work, there would be no living things, especially trees or plants, because there would be no nourishment left in the soil. If gravity didn't work and it changed from day to day, the seas and the oceans would begin to boil because of the atmospheric pressure that did not keep it from doing so. If gravity didn't work, the mantle and the, and the molten lava within the earth's core would surface and it would turn this planet into an uninhabitable force now let me tell you something we organize our life around the fact that hoping that all of that stays constant the sun continues to use that the gravity continues to work that we understand the power of nuclear energy and we understand the power of all of those things so important and those physical principles are how we Live our life. And let me just tell you, those principles do not depend on how you feel or your opinion. If someone were to climb on the top of this roof and say, Pastor, I don't believe in gravity anymore. And I could say, well, that's your opinion. But all of your broken bones are going to prove that gravity doesn't care about your opinion. There are natural things that occur regardless of how you feel about them. Here's what I want you to understand this morning as we wrap up this year, as we've already been told that God is not finished and that we should praise Him in every moment. That is this. 
is that what makes this universe tick, these physical, physical things, that is not the only thing that does it. Because not only is there a God who created these physical, natural laws, there is a God who also created spiritual laws. And they, my friends, can cause as much consequence in your life than any physical law that you have experienced today. Spiritual laws are constant and unchanging, just like gravity, just like nuclear energy, just like magnetism. These laws do not change. They are, uh, this is what they do. They do what they do every day, all day, with no exceptions. These spiritual laws are what govern our life. From year to year, tomorrow when we change the calendar, this law is going to be in effect the same it was this year as it will be next year. And what I want to just share with you is one fundamental force, one fundamental biblical constant as you look into next year. just want to highlight it. In Galatians chapter 6, we find this principle, this law, that works and operates in this precept And it will be there next year just like it was here this year. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. That law, my friends, is at operate right now, not only in my life, but it's operating in your life as well. It's unchangeable. It will not be different tomorrow is today it will not change in 20 years or 200 years that is the constant just like gravity that will always be with you in your life and in this world in other words if you look at that and you say well don't be deceived don't fool yourself into thinking that god's laws are just a joke God's laws don't depend on whether you believe them or not. They don't need your opinion for their approval. You don't have to believe that what a man sows, he reaps. You don't have to believe that. You can think that you can sow anything in life and reap always the benefits of life. And my friend, your opinion and your feeling about that will not matter because God's law says whatever a man sows, that is what he reaps. He goes on and he says in verse 8, For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. If you sow to the flesh, which is our bodies or our desires or our sinful nature, wickedness, all of the things that are listed that we know and what we would say sinful Those things, if you lived your life based on those things, you will reap nothing but corruption and death. But if you sow to the Spirit, which is the things that the Spirit gives, the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and mercy and goodness and faith and gentleness, all of those things, if you sow in those things, then friends, that's what you're going to reap. And it says you will reap eternal life. Verse 9 says, and this is where I'm going to, to land in just a moment, So let us not grow weary in doing good. Let us not grow weary in sowing the right seeds. Now let me talk to you about seeds real quick. Let me talk to you about this principle. God established that sowing and reaping law 
in the beginning. Genesis chapter 1, he says this. He says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 11, he said, And let the earth sprout vegetation with yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit in their seed, each according to their kind. And then he says, Plants yielding seeds according to their kind. Fruit yielding seed according to their kind. Animals going together according to their kind. God basically said in this principle of sowing and reaping, here's what you need to understand. Like produces like. Like produces like. How's this force acting upon life right now? Well, ask yourself, what seed have I sown that I am now reaping? Ask yourself, what seed am I sowing right now that I will later reap? This principle you cannot run away from. Now here's where people get confused. People get confused because they look at their life and they see that things have gone bad and therefore they must have done something bad. This is where people get really confused. Can I just tell you, that is not the way this, what this means. Just because life is challenging and life is tough does not mean that you have sown a bunch of bad seed. It can. It certainly can. Because I know a lot of people who come to the altar on Sunday and pray for the ruined crop of seed that they sowed on Friday. You see, the principle is about the seed. It's not the environment that surrounds the seed. Like produces like. When good seed is sown in in, in the soil, the seed will produce in kind what has been sown. But it doesn't say anything about how the weather's going to be or how much rain it's going to get or whatever's going to happen around. Let me tell you, a good seed can be sown in terrible circumstances. But it's still going to produce the seed that was sown. That makes sense? Because like produces like. Let me tell you something. We have sown, in my family, we have sown seeds of faith and seeds of healing this year. And we've been surrounded by all types of terrible things. We've faced cancer. We've sit in that doctor's office and we've heard that word that people that say, well, C word. I'm not scared to say it because my seed of faith has been sown in healing to know that whatever's going on around me, I know that what I sow, I will reap. And so it's not about the environment around you because listen what the scripture says. Even Jesus says this in Matthew chapter, uh, uh, Matthew chapter five. He says he makes the sun to rise on the just and the unjust. He makes the rain fall upon the just and the unjust. Look, we're all going to get the same thing in the weather and the environment around us because we live in this life and this life is not fair. But if you're sowing the right seed, friends, you'll reap the right harvest. Some of you are a little discouraged this year because you've been sowing a lot of good seed, but life has been tough for you. 
family hasn't gone the way that you thought. Job hasn't worked out the way you thought. The economy hasn't worked out the way you thought. Just in your own personal life, things have not gone the way you you face some tough things. Some of you have laid loved ones to rest this year. It's not easy for anybody. That's tough. But as you walked away from some of those cemeteries, you walked away sowing seeds of faith. Because we know, as the Scripture tells us in Corinthians, that what we sow in corruption, <laughs> that's right, will be raised in incorruption. What we, what we sow in, in, in temporary will be raised in permanent. You're sowed, you've sown faith. And my friends, you will reap that faith. Because what you will see out of the seed of faith that you have sown is you will reap the harvest that one day that loved one you laid to rest will be seen again by you. What you've sown one day is that you know that you've committed yourselves to give financially and support the work of the ministry. You will find that a resource will be poured back to you and it doesn't come back the same. Because here's what I want you to see of that. Not only does like produce like, but also you can sow in one seed in one field, but you can reap in another. A lot of people think in monetary terms when it comes to sowing and reaping. They think that's the only way God works. Let me tell you something. God is more concerned about the condition of your heart than the condition of your checking account. Because if your heart is right, His blessing can be upon your life. And if you'll walk and follow Him and and shelter under the umbrella of God's blessing, let me tell you, everything around you will be blessed. Everything. Everything. And so what you're going to find is sometimes you sow in one field and then you reap over here. You're sowing in the nursery on Sunday morning. And then a new grandbaby shows up in the family. I don't know. Sowing and saying, Lord, I'm going to commit to you. I'm going to give, Lord, what, what you've asked me to give. And three months later, a new job opportunity comes into your life. And it may not be even that day. It may be, it may be like this. Lord, I'm going to sow. I'm going to serve you. And then God does something in a totally different area of your life. Because the field that you sow in doesn't necessarily mean that's the field that you're going to reap in. God is going to make sure that He returns unto us what we have sown. Because like produces like. And it may be in a different field. And then also, God does things on a disproportionate level. He always does more. Give me five loaves of bread and two fish. And I can turn five loaves of bread and two fish into a feast for 5,000 men and women, children, 10,000 women and children. The proportion... When you put it in God's hands, when you place the seed and you sow it in the, in the name of the Lord, when you, when, you, when you invest your life in something that, that can return, it doesn't return back to you in the same amount. It's pressed down, shaken together, and running over. The Lord pours back into your life. You say, well, how does that come? It may come in the, in the form of joy in circumstances that you don't have any jo- reason to be joyful. It may come in, in, just, in, in just the success of your children. Can I just tell you, no parent is any happier than their unhappiest child. 
But when you begin to sow in your life and it begins to, to sprout and take root in your children's life, how many parents would say, I'll take that? You sow in your life. You sow the field that God has placed you to sow into. And God can produce the harvest in someone else's life because of what you have sown. The promise is this. Don't grow weary in 24. For some of us, it's just going to be a change of a calendar day. The only thing different is just the last letter or the last number of, a, of writing the date. That's the only thing that changes. Job will be the same. Problems may still be facing us on Monday or Tuesday. Same scenario. Same doctor's appointments that you've already had scheduled. Same things going on. The only thing that changes is just that last number. Don't grow weary. Because at the proper time, at the proper time, you, the promise, here's the promise. He says, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. The worst thing a farmer can do is give up on his crop. To give up on the harvest. And what people do is they quit sowing seed or they see the, the, the seed that's beginning to take root. They forget and fail to nurture it. A Christian that, that finds faith and you, you really say, you know what I want to say? What happens is over the course of just time and natural things, we forget. Listen. The promise is you won't, you won't regret it. If you don't give up, you're going to reap a harvest. I believe that some of you have sown some things difficultly this last year that you're going to reap the blessings of in 24. How many of you say, man, I want to receive those things? You've stayed steady. You've stayed steadfast. You didn't give up. You didn't quit. You kept persevering. You kept walking through the fire. You kept climbing the mountain. You kept on going. You kept praying. You kept reading your Bible. You just stayed on it. You stayed on the course. You stayed true to the Word of God. You stayed and held to His promises. And let me tell you something, friend. Because you did that, you didn't give up, you will reap a harvest. There's a harvest that's coming to you. There's a harvest that's coming to your family. There's a harvest that's coming to this church. There's a harvest that's coming to this world because there have been too many people who have sown in the faith that they have said, God, we're going to walk with you and we're going to trust you until all of this is over. It's, you're going to, you can't shake me loose. I'm like a bulldog that's latched on. You can't get me free. I am going to stay there and I'm going to reap that harvest. If that's you this morning, you say, Pastor, I want to reap all of those things. And I, would you stand with me right now? That principle doesn't change. It won't change when the calendar changes. I'm thankful. Gravity's not going to change tomorrow. Opposites will still attract. And when you sow, you reap. Would you just bow your heads this morning? I want to pray over you. Some of you 
here today, you may not know who I'm talking about. You may not have a relationship with God. And you know what? Everybody starts there. Nobody's born a Christian. Nobody's born a follower of God. If you'll give me just two minutes, I just want to just tell you this. If you will say, Lord, I see who you are. Come into my life. I accept Christ. I make Him my Lord and Savior. Then what you're going to do is you're going to switch fields. You're going to be in faith. And you're going to reap the benefits of that. Everybody else in this room, let me just tell you something. What you... What, you, what God has started in your life, He's going to finish, just like what Pastor Heather said. Some of you have had to praise your way through 23. It's been a tough year. Can I just tell you, all the things that you've done this past year, if you've been sowing in faith, you're going to reap it. And this year, I believe, let us just reap in 24 all that we've been sowing. We're going to sing that chorus to that song again. Lord, I don't have anything to offer but my hands held high. I'm going to pray for you and we're going to close with that song. And I'm going to pray that God would help us to reap the benefits of sowing good seed in our lives and in this church and this community. Expect the harvest. Expect goodness to come to your... Expect blessing. Expect favor to come to your life in 2024. Don't say, man, it's going to be another same old 23. No, 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 friends. It's going to be different next year because all that seed we've had to sow this year, as Amos says, or as Psalm says, they will go out weeping, but they will come back in joy, wearing the sheaves with them. You sowed a lot of seed and tears this year. You sowed a lot of sadness. You sowed a lot of heartbreak and a lot of a lot of headache. But let me tell you something. You're going to reap a harvest. And that harvest is going to be a harvest of joy and hope and faith and renewal. Strength and health. Hope. Father, I thank You, Lord, for this congregation, people. I thank You, Lord, for their faithfulness to You, Lord, throughout trying times. I've watched them, Lord, as they have lived their lives, Lord, on purpose. And I pray, O oh God, Lord, as they have sown those seeds, just as certain as the, as the ground holes beneath my feet, Lord, let seed that they have sown in faith, let it bear fruit, O oh God, in the coming days. You are the Lord of the harvest. Lord, give us a harvest. A harvest of joy, hope, and peace. Give us a harvest of souls in this church, Lord, as we have laid the groundwork, Lord. I pray, God, for Charisma City. Give them a harvest, Lord, in 24. Lord, let your spirit, Lord God, move upon all of our lives, Lord, so that we might receive, God, what we have sown in tears. Let us reap in joy. We just praise you and we thank you, Lord. And we trust you, Lord, for all these things. So I throw up my hands and pray you again and again. All that I have is a hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, I know it's not much. I've nothing else fit for a king. 
except for a heart singing hallelujah. Let's sing it one more time. Come on, church, lift your voice and sing it. I throw up my hands and pray to you again and again. All that I have is a hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I know it's not much. I've nothing else fit for a Step for a heart singing hallelujah, hallelujah. May the Lord bless us as we reap this next year. Amen. So good to see you today on this final Sunday of 23. Next Sunday, come with a heart of expectancy of what God's going to do. Thanks for listening to this message. If you were blessed by this ministry, we want to encourage you to share it. And if you don't have a church home, come join us any Sunday at 1030.